Welcome to Bitten by a Radioactive Podcast, where we give powers to a name. My name is Dean McKnight, and I'm your best friend, of course, and I'm here to grace you with comics goodness. I'm here to be your superhero and to create superheroes. I cannot do this by myself, though. I have my best friends, Jade and Josh, with me to help me. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Curtain to the point. Well, I, I tend to get so windy and so off topic with my introductions as I'm so paranoid of doing right now that I'm thinking very carefully about every word I'm saying. We gave wow, you I wish such... you'd do that all the time. We gave you such short kind of responses and you've still managed to t- take it off and just run mm-hmm. with it. It's that radio charm, that podcast charm where every time I hear careful, a small word careful. I have to... <laughs> e- Easy boy. Oh, oh I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take power out of my hands now and give it to Jade. Jade, oh. as you know, every week we tank up with inspiration before we go rampant with creative energies to create a superhero ourselves. So what's been your inspiration this week? What have you been reading? What have I been reading? Well, how about we hop on a train and Ooh. travel across <laughs> the country and then hop on a boat and go across the sea and then, you know, while we're at it, let's just hop on a plane and head for Canada because Ooh. my recommendation huh? is from Canada. Ooh, Ooh nice. What, what's it all See, about? I, I, I thought I'd work in <laughs> travel analogies this time. Ha ha, very funny, Josh. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, it's called Open Spaces and Closed Places by Psycho Inc. And uh, cool. it's, it's a cute little indie comic. And I was really attracted to it because... It's printed like, you know how manga tends to be published in Japan in like really small volumes that are perfect mm. bound? It was that kind of format, so I mm. just jumped at it because it looked really interesting. Um, but it's about an eccentric school gangster that all the other strong kids in this school call the boss, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. dyes his hair bright pink, does his nails, and he's bringing flowers to the class president at the start of the comic because he's desperately in love with him. And when he's not threatening his friends slash lackeys into giving him pocket money to spend on gifts for this class president, he's mooning over them. Um, but this class president is actually really manipulative and secretive and strange shit is happening around them. Ooh la la. Mm. So it's quite a bizarre series. It's done in black and white and it has this kind of nostalgic style to it. Like the school uniforms are... Um, reminiscent of sort of 1920s japan oh okay so it's more manga than merely the presentation yes may. yeah hmm. neat awesome canadian comics they have the scene and it's strong mm. josh dean inspiration please oh sorry you're liking for me um okay that, yes that <laughs> just me imagine me sort of ribbing your uh ribbing you quite hard with my, with my elbow with my elbow oh that just sounds wrong. <laughs> backtrack. This is what happens when you don't let me loose. I have to come up with these terrible short things that don't have enough room to breathe. Josh, why have you been reading? Okay, no. well, thank you very much for asking, Dean. This week I have been reading, well, I say this week. This has kind of been something that's been reading across the span of a couple of years now. Mainly because it's a, well, it was kind of bi-weekly and then a monthly comic. Um mm-hmm. I've been reading Green Arrow by Benjamin Percy, Juan Ferreira, Otto Schmidt, 
and Stephen Byrne. Um, it's a big old run that started up with the DC's Rebirth initiative, um, and it's recently just finished their collaborative run. So I thought, oh, now's a good time to kind of stick it all together and throw it out to you guys. Neat. First off, I'd like to talk about the art. Um, every single artist is absolute dynamite on this book. Ferreira has this wonderful kind of colours that he uses and these wonderful double page spreads. Actually, they all do. They're all, they're all amazing. <laughs> they all have these really like, their art isn't very similar to each other, but they all kind of keep the same. It's very consistent. Okay. Okay. In my mind, I know what that means. <laughs> uh, sort of like, like um, shared motifs and yeah, designs th- and whatnot. I think so, yeah. Hmm. But what's cool about this is um, back when, Jade, you recommended Black Canary and Zatanna. Yeah. And we briefly touched on how good like the relationship between Green Arrow and Black Canary was. Mm. This run excels in that also, as they are. I say it's a Green Arrow book. Really, it is a Black Canary, Green Arrow, and the Green Arrow family book. Oh, nice. So like they're all big, these big characters. They all A lot of them probably do take up more screen time than Ollie a lot of the time. It really capitalises on his sole social justice warrior persona. It's like in the first and final issues, he mentions it quite throughout. Um, there's mm. a big thing of politics, and it's all about him and the team attacking this big old bank that have been basically kind of blackmailing and funding all these criminal empires, and also in the pockets of uh, like judges and all that type of stuff. It's mm. really cool. Um, it goes a bit out there at certain points with like massive burnt people and stuff, but it's okay. really cool. And yeah, sad to see it slightly go, but I'm glad it kind of ended on its on almost like its own terms. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's always sad when like a comic just keeps going and going and becomes a, a shell of its of its uh, former self. Mm. Yeah, which which can obviously happen with like long running comics. So DC with your Green Arrows, I see. I've, t- I've taken a little bit of a different approach to my inspiration this week. I've been very nostalgic, and I thought I'd share with you a sort of a formative book for Dean, mm. a book that sort of helped me shape my tastes not only in superheroes but sort of characters as a as a whole. See, I thought we'd already covered this when you did Naruto, <laughs> but... <laughs> Please don't tell me it's another uh, old shonen. <laughs> it's not an old shonen. It's not well, Bleach I, I, I or Naruto. I say that Naruto. like a bad thing, but please don't let it be working. It's not Bleach. Okay. It's not Bleach <sighs> or working. It's, <sighs> it's the Marvel to your DC, Josh. It's Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh. Oh. Wait, now, wait, wait. Lot... Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man. Are you... Hold on a sec. Are you sure you want to recommend this? I do, like... Please explain why. <laughs> chill yourself, Jade. All right. I've got about 80 credits to get through before I can start. Oh, sorry, sorry. Google. So, the story is by uh, Bill Jameis and Brian Michael Bendis. Writer is Brian Michael Bendis. The pencils are by Mark Bagley. The inks are by Art Thibbert and Dan uh, Pan- Panosian. Colors are by uh, Steve Bruciello, uh, Marie Janvins. Uh, letterer is... Uh, Richard Starkings and Comicraft, and yes, <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man. See, well, that it was fun recording the yep. podcast with you guys. Like, I uh, can't. This hour's flown by. <laughs> this it takes a lot of people to make a comic. Some people don't don't realize <laughs> that it was my first proper Marvel comic that I like as a series got into because mm. uh, as a youth I would hear a lot about comics and. Oh, Superman, Spider-Man, Batman. And I was like, yes, I want to get into these. But of course, a lot of the time, you'll pick up an issue off the, sh- off the shelf and you're like, okay, this is like balls deep into a story. I This means nothing to me. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like a stone wall, which a lot of 
publishers are now trying to fight off for better or worse. <laughs> but I managed to, f- to discover that the Ultimate series of comics were a starting point. They were designed to be a starting point. So I jumped on with my childhood hero, Spider-Man, and I was kind of pleasantly surprised. Um, like, Spider-Man, he's, he's a proper dweeby teenager in this. Um, how we all remember him. How he's portrayed now, in fact. Sort of this down-and-out teenager trying to do something with, with himself. But with Ultimate Spider-Man, Jesus Christ, he gets his ass kicked so much. Any opportunity, the team will just take, just shred his costume whenever they can. Like, he takes a, a real beating, but it, of course, he always gets up. He always stands up for, for what he believes in, even if the general public literally don't give a shit about him. And I was quite surprised when I read this back in the day, where it's like, guys, why, did, why doesn't anyone love Spider-Man in this universe? They all, they're all shitting on him. Of course, you got uh, JJ taking shots at him. Um, especially so because Peter Parker in the Ultimate series is a web developer instead of photographer, which I know got a, little, a few <laughs> people riled up. He's a web developer. <laughs> but the the writing's real good. Um, there's uh, a great arc in the series where he plans to take out Kingpin. Like it's one of the the highlights of the whole thing, which is uh, topped off by a very I won't spoil it too much, but a very nice showdown a tete a tete which comes down to a very few scathing one-liners from Spider-Man himself. I noticed and you uh, haven't mentioned the art much, Dean. <laughs> so that's my recommendation this week. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it takes a long time to make a comic and a large team, and sometimes you gotta you got to produce it wisely. you got to choose the product. Listen, okay. The <laughs> I like article- how much you're floundering to defend Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to poo-poo someone's work. It, Jay, do no, you know how hard it is to make a comic? We're all positive here, aren't we? Yes, really. yes. yes exactly. I'm sorry. I guess I'm just salty because it's one of the few recommendations I've heard on this podcast where I've thought, really? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it's taken this many episodes. <laughs> it's a part of my 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 upbringing. It's and part I understand of my comics that. History. I like some real trash myself. One day when you um, bring out one of your, your clamp books, one of your other clamp books, I'm going to be right there, front no, I've row, only, tomato ready. No, I've recommended the single one that I have faith in. That's it. I'm never going to recommend any other clamp series. I'm going to be right there when you all do right, that. All right, all right. Let's, let's crack on then. Let's crack on indeed, Jade. Three wonderful comics that are going to, uh, we're going to laser focus those inspirations into our generator and create a superhero. Now, for this one, I've also taken a little bit of a nostalgia trip back about eight months to <laughs> episode two, where we did our... What? Wait, a... was that eight months ago? That was eight months ago. <sighs> right? Right? I've just aged in just a single <laughs> instant. So why are we thinking back to episode two? Well, that generator was the... Uh, it was the tool and surname generator. So we chose a random tool name and a random surname and we crashed them together. But what we ended up doing is just, just sticking with the tool, the Stone and Muller, when in fact it was Stone and Muller Faraday. Now, that was based on your favorite film, wasn't it, Josh? Jorbert Taylor. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So what I've done now is based a generator on your favorite song. Is it something from the Jorbert Taylor soundtrack? It's Mac the Knife. I know how much you love Mac the Knife, the song. By my favourite artist. The singers. This. Who sing the song. 
So what I've done today <laughs> is I've got a random name generator, a random first name generator, and a list of 163 bladed weapons. Wow. And we're going to bash those together. We're going to slice and dice these names together to create a superhero that may be a little bit more darker than what we usually do. Doesn't have to be, but we'll find out when we get the name, won't we? I- I'm going to get Google up immediately because I know that we're going to get the most obscure bladed instrument that no one has ever heard of. There are some humdinger blade weapons. Do you know what a, a G is? A J-I? I thought that was like a piece of clothing, wasn't it? No, that's a G. <laughs> oh, sorry. Be like, gif. <laughs> do you know what a kukri is? Oh. Yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah. Pick, 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 uh, pick me. Pick me. I've got my hand up. <laughs> You see, see, there's some you you might know in there. Do you know what a Kyoketsu Shoge is? Wait, yeah, I think so. <laughs> see, we're well oh, away. Okay, we're 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 gonna do okay. We're gonna be fine, guys. So first name and bladed weapon, and we'll do like a X the Y, you know. Mhm. So do you, do you want to know what your first name is? Yes. Oh, what's really cool about this generator oh. is um. It takes names from all around the world as well. So it might it might not just be European. It might be African. It might be mm. uh, Latin American. It might be Asian. It might be anything. But for us, home all, our name is Servatius. S-E-R-V-A-T-I-U-S. That's not a name. Servatius <laughs> is a name, apparently. That's so- not a name. Do you want me to roll another one? Do you want to no, lose Servatius? No, but I would like to look up what that means. Well, the next one after it was uh, Pascal. <laughs> mm. I, I kind of like Pascal, actually. Yeah, let's, let's go with Pascal. And that's with a K as well. So. Oh. So, unfortunately, Jade, you get no Cerberus Snape here. I We're didn't doing... want it. I was the one that was objecting. <laughs> We're doing Pascal. Great. And I need a number between 1 and 165. I missed out two of those weapons. So 1 to 165, please. Please don't tell me this is going to be one of those, like the Nerf one, where we find out we've got a licensed knife. (sighs) Please no. (laughs) The Transformers escalating sharpness knife. Escalating sharpness knife. We're going to save that one. We're going to do that one on our bonus episode whenever we get around to it. So. Mm, 72. 72. Uh, Okay. So our weapon is the Keteria. The Keteria is a form of battle axe that was used in ancient Sri Lanka. How about that? Okay. How do you spell that? uh, K-E-T-E-R-I-Y-A. Okay. Apparently, it's basically just a hatchet. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures and it looks like a really long hatchet. Okay, so we've got Pascal the Fancy Hatchet. Um, it, it's Pascal the Fancy <laughs> Hatchet. So, Pascal the uh, Keteria. Mm-hmm. So, what are your first thoughts? Well, it's a really long-handled axe, so it could be wielded almost staff-like. Hmm. It's going to be a very, um, a very, uh, uh, like a diverse weapon. A very, um, fuck, I can't, can't remember the word. Adaptable. Um, Adaptable weapon. It's going to be extremely adaptable. Um, so yeah, uh, listeners, it's basically a very, very long hatchet. The the in, in terms of the like the oh, I've lost my words now as well. The blade. 
I was no, going the, to say I think that the blade's quite short, small, isn't it? Yeah, mm. it's small and curved. And then the holdy bit. The is... handle? Yeah, but it's just a very long handle, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, almost like a like a, a staff, almost. Oh, that thing I just said. Welcome to Bitten by a Radioactive <laughs> podcast, where we repeat and forget our words. Welcome to Bitten by a Radioactive Echo. Okay, so, Pascal the Keteria. I feel like this is a very honourable warrior. Like, I feel like warriors that have staff-like weapons, I always picture them kind of like leaning on them in a challenging stance. Oh, so maybe the, the weapon itself is informing the personality of the character. Yeah. Because, like, hatchets are different from regular axes in that there's sort of, like, a bit at the top of the staff that you could rest your hands on, whereas an axe, you've straight up got, like, the blade and then the handle. Hmm. You are right. And, like, with this as well, because it's so tall, and, like, you you gave a really cool visual example of, like, how they might use the Keteria. But for me, like... A polearm is something you sort of hold to your side and, like, you stand yeah. to attention. That, that's always how I imagine it. Like a halberd or a, uh, a spear or even, like, a, a javelin or something like that. Like you well, hold like, it upright. Like you said, it's it could be adaptable. Like, when I think of hatchets, I always think of them being thrown. Like, hatchets aren't mm. a weapon like a sword that you keep in your hand. They're designed mm. to be thrown. So maybe it's it's a weapon that's thrown and then picked up again use for more fight, you know <laughs> could you imagine having that thing thrown at you yeah be fucking brutal or maybe that could be part of their fighting style though they always like start with the throw but yeah. they're quite good like uh hand to hand as well and they're good at distracting so that they can retrieve it mm. so we've got what it sounds like some sort of axe wielding batman mm. which isn't isn't the worst elevator pitch can I throw something? Oh, Go much on. like a hatchet. Can I throw something at you? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Pascal the Keteria. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that make it seem like Pascal is the Keteria? Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Oh, we, we're doing an, an object hero again, aren't we? We're doing no, a. No, not technically. I think we're doing a transformation hero of a person who can turn themselves. Could you imagine throwing yourself into a battle and then transforming into a hatchet mid-throw? Ooh! Whoa. Ooh, Josh! So, it's not... For everyone out there, I'm thinking very heavily of a manga called Soul Eater. I did where... think I, I, li- I, I thought sh- immediately of that, yes. I didn't want to kind of step on its toes too much, but that did come to mind. I was thinking, mm, do I want to go full is, reference? Well, the thing with that is that each person that turns into a weapon is teamed up with a wielder. But exactly. you're talking about so- a weapon that wields itself? Exactly. I am, yes. This is this De- what's describe exciting. Describe exactly how this works. <laughs> For me, the person who has to visualise it. Okay. Now, I'm also going to be kind of acting this out on myself. So, okay. Or, and you know what? Listeners at home, by all means, take your right hand and grab yeah. your left wrist. <laughs> and and uh-huh. kind of like yank your arm. And imagine yanking your left arm so much that you would kind of get momentum enough to kind of spin. <laughs> so as you kind of yank, you your right arm turns into the axe and basically your left arm becomes like the staff portion. What Josh is I'm describing... I'm going like physics. Yes, what, 
what Josh is describing in the most entertaining form of anything in the history of mankind is exactly what's going to make this comic visceral, entertaining. It's going to be a a choreographer's wet dream. Or c- and an artist's you- nightmare. <laughs> c- could you also imagine, like, okay, once again, listeners, stand with your like your legs shoulder width apart and put your arms kind of parallel to them and kind of just like as though you're kind of not doing it like some sort of forward flip could you imagine kind of like forward flipping and once again getting some like spin and turning into a hatchet i was gonna say like why don't they just do a forward roll but i actually i quite like the whole grab your arm and do like a side spin yeah that's the thing because it's spinning horizontally yeah, my shoulder went the part one. Obviously, you can spin, but really think about it. Where are you going to be able to go? Yeah. You haven't got much momentum, but the whole yanking of the arm thing, you can kind of get some good, kind yeah. of like a frisbee spin on you. I was, oh my God, we are on a wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a move often used in karate called an axe kick. An axe kick, where it's basically where you just like lift up the heel and then just like drive it down on top of the opponent's head. So um, imagine like going up, like mm. listeners at home, try this yourself. Imagine standing upright and then raising your right foot to touch your head and then bringing both your head and your foot down simultaneously and turning into an axe at the same time. <laughs> well, you see, now this brings up an interesting point thinking about it. Like, can, do they only really basically have two forms, human and axe? <laughs> No, this is like Animorphs where they have a horrific middle I was going to say, do we have kind of like, oh, there was a Disney film with like a, was it Black Cauldron that kind of had this weird axe chicken creature? Oh, yeah. What? The the image is like vaguely familiar. I can sort of see it through the mist of my mind's eye. I just seem to remember like this walking little, almost like a little walking hatchet Mm. that was like a little guard. I think it had like a little helmet on. God, I am horrified trying to picture this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I'm wondering if, like, they could turn. Can they just turn like their right arm into an axe? Hmm. See, I, I think it's funnier and probably more interesting as a series for dr- not drama, but like interesting situations will come up if the only thing they can do is turn into a full axe. axe. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer that to be honest. Because yeah. it gets a bit too OP if you can just transform any mm. part of yourself into an axe. So like, I'm going to punch you. Fuck, I just punched an axe straight yeah. but, on. Like, My hand is now halved. Well, how about this? How about they can only turn part of their body into an axe, but they have to have the whole length of the uh, Keteria intact. Oh, by the way, if we're saying Keteria wrong... Oh, there's a very good chance we are. Yeah, there's a, a huge chance that we are just... Hit us up on Twitter at BBR underscore, underscore podcast and we will um, issue an official apology, I guess. Um, <laughs> can't do anything about it now. Yes, we can. So the Keteria. Wait, wait, wait. No. Keteria? Okay. Let me just hold on. She's doing it. She's doing it. I'm doing it. Just give me. What uh, region did you say this was from? Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Listen to the audio pronunciation of Keteria. Ooh, do that, please. Okay. English UK pronunciation. <laughs> Can we have like an English Northern UK pronunciation as well, just for the? There's just English UK 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 UK. There's no specific <laughs> region, so let's let's have a. I'm gonna hold this up to. Um, wait, where's this? Right, I'm gonna hold this right up to the mic. Wait, why isn't it playing? 
Keteria. Oh. <laughs> so it's like Keteria. We were, cl- yeah, we were like close. Keteria. Well, that one was from a different region of England. It's more Keteria. What? What? Keteria. What? <laughs> uh, I died. <laughs> how? How does one pronounce? I think, I think we're perfectly fine just pronounce it however the fuck we want. Yep, okay. We tried. I mean, this website's clearly down for that as well, so... Well, uh, I mean, it had a bunch of different examples, so we're, we're close. Mm. Yeah, I can least. feel it. But that brings me to something I wanted to suggest, which mm-hmm. is... I thought it could be like Kamehameha in that they have to yell it every time they transform. So, like... Keteru! Well, no, <laughs> they have to do, like, Keteri yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does lend itself really well to the whole, like, motion... Yeah, mm. like, like you got like, like hiya kind of shout. Yeah, that's a good idea actually. That's really good. Um, I guess we we're leaning towards a tone for this comic, aren't we? Which is comedic. A little bit more comedic than most, considering how dangerous, frankly, a Keteria is. Mm. But whilst it's dangerous, Pascal probably isn't the best user of it. Yeah. Purely from the fact that they need force and like. There's going to be so many situations where they have to almost like take a running jump mm. to try and do <laughs> it's it. It's not like you it... can change the angle or direction of an axe once you've thrown it. Give me a profession that oh, doesn't... Oh. No, they can. Can they? Okay. Let me set the scene for you. <laughs> this, this, one does, this one doesn't need any audience participation, I'm afraid. Oh, oh. I was looking forward to another addition to the BBRP exercise <laughs> set. <laughs> okay, so Pascal has managed to corner a criminal down an alley, but it's like blocked. Pascal decides to throw themselves at the criminal to try and stop them, but wildly misses. Transforms back into a human, kicks off the wall, and jumps straight back at the criminal. Visceral entertaining choreography! We got it. So depending on how quick they are able to transform, like I'm not sure if it's going to be like instantaneous or what, but I think there's a lot of potential for kind of like, crazy parkour stunts, whoa! <laughs> now I like that. I want them to be quite clumsy. I want them I want them to be quite clumsy, but I want them to try. Can they you mentioned parkour. Can yes. they be naturally sort of um uh a little bit dumpy, a little bit um uncoordinated, but they're trying to better themselves. Maybe they've joined like a gymnastics or a parkour uh class, and that's perhaps how they meet some uh potential friends or allies. I feel like this must like affect their fighting style. Like they're very haphazard. Being a hero that just chucks themselves into a fight, this is how they approach pretty much everything. They just throw themselves out full force. Mm. That's just their personality, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, they they're all about throwing themselves into something. Yeah. So like they're that friend that um you've just been dumped, and they're like, right, okay. Tea, biscuits, done. What else do you need? Do you need, do you need a duvet? Right. Do you need me to go over to their house, beat them up? What? Bring them over here, make them apologize? I'll do it. I'll do it. I swear I'll do it. I guess that makes uh, makes them perfect fodder for being a superhero. Like, they're, they're not fine crime. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll fucking do it. You just sit down. I'll, I'll get in there. I'll stop these drug deals. Fine. I'm an axe. Mm. I'm a Keteria person. I have had another idea. Excellent. This, welcome to the Josh special of Bitten by it's- Radioactive podcast. And it's either going to be a villain or like, not not like a strap villain, maybe like an antagonistic sense. What mm. if the reason why Pascal is having to use themselves to fight crime themselves is because they never, that's not how they started out. 
They did start out mm-hmm. with a partner who used to throw them. Yeah, I like that. Ooh, okay. Um, but then one day they were thrown almost against their will, or like oh. they've been starting to get used in ways that they didn't agree with. Mm. Breaking the trust. You yeah. can't break that trust. I, mean, I suppose it does. This does kind of root down in like how Pascal's powers work, mm-hmm. because obviously, like if they get thrown, they can probably just like transform. Well, no, actually, they still could. This could be how it stops. Um. So let's say that the person is getting ready to throw Pascal, but they aren't into it. They get thrown, and then they just kind of immediately just transform. They kind of do like a big old starfish pose and like, nope, nope, I'm not doing oh. it. And then they turn around, and they're like, what the hell? Yeah. So I'm wondering what? if there's some sort of foil we can use for Well, Josh, 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 mm-hmm. Josh. I am, I getting, am, t- am I also getting ahead of myself? What do you mean? No, I'm not, I'm not sure if we should focus more on Pascal for now. <laughs> well, no, no I no. like this. We can come back to it. Okay. This this is the scaffolding that we will use to create the character. Mm-hmm. But I want to take that idea that was very good, and I want to make it a little bit more heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you were saying about like the sort of potential plot hole that oh well, Pascal can just change back from a Keteria at any time. Mm-hmm. But what if they trust this partner so much they just say you, this is the weirdest thing you've ever done, and this could be very dangerous. But I trust you either way. I mm. trust you with my entire life and my entire being. Throw me and use me to fight crime. And then they betray them. Dun, dun, dun. I don't like the idea of that. Like, I prefer... That That could still happen, but I prefer Josh's idea in the end of them, you know, popping out Starfish Star and just being like, nope, what the fuck? That's yeah. more in, in keeping with the, the, the comedy stylings of this comic, I guess. Well, it's not even the comedy. I think it's it's definitely more Pascal to just straight up be... Like they, Pascal knows what they want. Yeah, like they wouldn't allow themselves to hurt anyone. Oh, that's true. That's true. Unless, like, otherwise, I di- unless that's. I- oh, go ahead. Sorry, I-, I was just going to say that that would be like more of a like I was thinking when you said like doing being used as a weapon against their will. It made me think very topically of um, Jessica Jones, like oh yeah, yeah, how she was used as a violent weapon against her will, and like. That's a really dark thing. Mm. Like when you really don't want to hurt someone and you do it against your will. Mm. So like for the for the thematic purpose of this comic, I think it's just too dark to allow it to go all the way through. Mm. I think you're right. So we need it to stop at the last moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I think it goes without saying as well. I think Pascal themselves also have to be Sri Lankan as lo- uh, along with the Keteria itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. No arguments there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we've talked a lot about, well, like I said, we've built this scaffold and we have sort of a grain of dirt that will eventually turn into the pearl of a, car- a, a, a personality slash characteristics, but we need to, we need to flesh this, this dude out, this person out. Yeah. Well, Who- the thing about like what you were saying earlier, like, am I getting ahead of myself? Something that I think is important in storytelling is realizing that people are shaped by their circumstances. Yeah. So... Mm. Coming up with that first can be a good thing. Hmm. Nature and nurture, man. You gotta have some uh, nurture in with that nature. Yeah. So I think the most bare bones thing we've come up with is that they have a very impulsive personality. Mm. So they jump straight into things without much they, thought. They throw themselves straight into all situations. Yes. Mm. Yes. That that's Literally. sort of the, <laughs> that's the the core idea of this character. Mm-hmm. They throw themselves in. So maybe they're you know you know that one uncle or auntie or best friend or just relation that 
everyone seems to know and they're like, oh, you need help moving house? Yeah, I'll call Pascal over. Oh, you need mm. help like painting your nursery? Yeah, I got it. Pascal will come over, you know. The community guy. Yeah. The, the- I, I, oh, I quite like the idea of Pascal being someone who helps out the community with errands. Mm. And it, and it oh, could yeah. also be quite a good way of them getting involved with getting to like crime situations. If they're all about mm. town, they're just going to randomly run into stuff. Mm. Well, maybe we can set this... Um, set this comic more rurally then where they'd be traveling from maybe from village to village or from neighborhood to neighborhood mm. doing chores like maybe they've got a, a beat up old van that they're using to go around like this this real honest pillar of the community and um any i don't know where that sentence is going uh full stop <laughs> and <laughs> nice end recovery. it on a uh, pillar of the community yeah Pillar of the community. Maybe they could literally volunteer for like a community center, mm. but they they travel out to rural parts that are, like that's the only. I, I, li- I like thing. that because I, I would I would like some kind of city stuff because I think that, especially if we're doing the whole parkour stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Spidey in the suburbs. Mm. <laughs> Can't really yeah. go anywhere. <laughs> Best scene of homecoming. Um, <laughs> see, I'm kind of nervous now. Like. Myself, my my storytelling style, if I had to describe it, would be to uh, avoid cliches at all costs. And now I'm nervous, I'm very nervous about Pascal, that they're going to be that community guy who's in the city, but something their, their community's under threat or some, some junk like that. And that's been done. No, we, we need were f- just saying that like this seems like quite a, I guess, average, peaceful. Like There's no big mm. threat, there's nothing mm. major looming, it's just... Helping out the community against all the the little injustices. Yeah, I guess I guess that's what I'm trying to say is yeah. that eventually there's going to be a threat to this community, and I I want it to be cool and interesting. You know, maybe mm. maybe crime itself is being is like a threat to the community. You know how you mean um, how it literally is. <laughs> let me explain myself before Go you for it. Sorry, you jump in with your witty comments and your hilarious podcast banter. What if crime, uh, like a, a gangster, a gangster family or a gangster t- uh, team, uh, move into the city, uh, the the community, and they want to set up shop there and recruit everyone in that community? And of course, they make themselves very uh, attractive to that community by offering them sort of a better way of life, um, earning more money. Oh, we can give you like new new clothes new cars whatever you want just come come work for us we'll we'll do just fine together and of course pascal this is going to upset pascal cuz well they've been dealing with ruffians and um i cannot imagine them to be quite old now um you know they they've been around the block and they they know a crime family when they see one maybe this this uh crime I keep calling a family, but they don't have to be. Uh, this crime family is... Um, I, I, is the word you're looking for a gang? Yeah, you mean a gangster you, you, group You said gang. gangster team, and I was just thinking... <laughs> yeah, gang. mean a gang? <laughs> All English language, you sure are confusing and hard to remember at times. But this gang, this gangster gang, that maybe they are a little bit more subtle about the way, their way of doing things, but Pascal can see right through them, and uh, they're ready to try and drive them out but it's hard to get the community on side because maybe they're a little less well off they only see the benefits and not the manipulation exactly exactly if you imagine like sort of dusty old desert towns that haven't got a lot going for them and then this 
these mob dudes in SUVs come along, um, looking quite sharp, looking quite respectable, and say, you know, if you work, for, it, it ain't extortion. You just got to sell these sell these items that we give you, and we'll we'll cut you in. It'll be great. You know, you, you know, like surprisingly, travel, don't you? that this actually plays into something that I was going to um, mention because you were mentioning about like gangs coming in. What about a villain being like gentrification? See, we kind of did that, didn't we? For oh, did we? The well, red ink and black ink. Oh, that was. I mean, you uh, can do was... it again. It's an ever prevalent villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's just like a lot of the themes that you were saying, Dean. I think you could also play into like even just like a local coffee shops being run out of town by big business who's come in to suck all the character out of this um, hmm. fun community. Okay, let's get real political for a moment. Let's imagine this to be sort of like that American style of business, politics, and crime that sort of blend together so well you don't know whether uh, one starts and the other ends. Hold on. That kind... Um, you right? I... We were doing so well with creating sort of a more rural thing and now we're lapsing back to america new york okay. gangster what we'll, we'll throw well, it out then no i don't i don't mean like literally this is certain america i just mean that kind of style of doing things that they have mm. you know you, you if you if you don't like that we can ditch it we can ditch it let's go with something more imaginative with the rural setting you know okay. yeah okay let's go with that cool yeah so um gangsters coming in offering a better life being subtle about it but only Pascal can see through. This has turned out to be quite an interesting one, actually. Hmm. Um. So, are we are we assuming that Pascal sorts this out sort of through a dual approach? Like they throw themselves fully into helping the community members with their problems, so that like they fix it before the gang can, and then hmm. the other move is just full on attacking the gangs when they're doing more malicious um, stuff. Well, as someone who has just finished a run on a Green Arrow, where someone has <laughs> been fighting stuff politically, and then also as a Robin Hood type character, I'm very much into drawing on that inspiration <laughs> and uh, going into a dual fronts uh, type hero. Cool. Um, an element we can throw in as well is, uh, if you imagine these gangsters to be like a giant octopus... <laughs> and the not a literal giant octopus i know that's a very uh, easy mistake to make and it's obviously and it's something that you've done on numerous times is where you've just brought in animals as villains yeah. the goat it's just the, the crow <laughs> <laughs> hey it's spitballing man you gotta spitball get all the bad ideas out so but a literal octopus shows up yes a metaphorical Who can use eight knives <laughs> if you keep saying it i'm gonna make a cannon i'm warning you i don't mind Quick, shut, up, shut up john <laughs> But uh, if you imagine their dealings with the community being their tendrils and the, the actual uh, inner circle of the gang being the head, uh, you'll have Pascal dealing with these tendrils with their individual problems of the people whilst also going for the head as well. But because that splits their, uh, their focus a little bit, they can't quite crack open uh, this gang and oust them because they have to sort of put out these fires in the community as well as going after the, the, the big honcho themselves. Which could be their previous partner! I was thinking that earlier. Hmm. That like, the head of the gang is actually like, kept in the dark the whole time from the readers. Hmm. Because you'd only Ooh. see lackeys anyway. And you know what would be a good little, almost like metaphor? 
mm-hmm. would be that the head of this thing is using all of these um, community tendrils as tools. Yes. Mm. And so, like the yes, first time we circle. see them again, they order one of the lackeys to do something against yeah. their will, and they're like, "Do it, do it. What do I pay you for? Do it." And what we can um, do is we we can keep on like throwing like little flashbacks in of yeah. this thing, and they're using very much the same language. Yeah, and like mm. Pascal, when they finally meet again, they're like, "Ah, so you're still at this, huh?" Mm. Still, still keeping sharp, are we? Yes, 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 yes. We've come full circle. Well, kind of not a full circle, more like a P. You know, a what? A P? Well, you know, we had that one idea, and then we went forward a little bit, and then we had the the teammate idea, and then we've come all the way around back to that teammate idea, like Good the letter brief. P. Okay. That's a a legit demon knight metaphor right there. And with that, I better close the book on this before <laughs> I ruin my. I would, can can we not close the book on it? I have one more thing because yeah. I've realised that we never talk about this stuff, and we always just rely on Jade to just think up. It basically. Oh. Does Pascal have a costume? <gasps> and does it so change helpful. when? The, and and does it change when they turn into an axe? Um, they have a domino mask, and the domino mask is on the axe you blade. Piece of when... shit. <laughs> um, they okay, have... that's it. Thank you very much no! for listening. To... <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, let's go into it. Okay, they have like a. They wear a poncho made of scale mail. That Jade has to draw. You one more, one <laughs> more strike, and then you're out out of the podcast. That's it, done. Oh, oh, I really? Done. I am the podcast, mate. I don't think. Excuse me. <laughs> I I am this podcast. <laughs> Much like uh, Pascal is at Keteria, I am bitten by a radioactive podcast. So Dean is now the villain, uh, <laughs> manipulating <laughs> us tools. I've I've revealed myself. Actually, that's a good point. We never named the villain. Um. Mm. Well, dip, dip, dip. Let's go back to the generator, and then um, we'll come back to the costume. But I would like a name. Cool. Um. Whilst whilst Dean generates one, mm. um, can we talk about the parkour guy a bit as well? Oh yeah. Because I really like the idea of someone being so clumsy with their parkour that Pascal can never truly get a good fix on where to, <laughs> like, push themselves against, like, and where to, how to bounce off stuff. Yeah. Um. Mm. Okay. I'm ready. Oh. I guess there's like the whole trying to ricochet off of things. Mm. Like that's something you'd be less used to when you're fighting in more open areas. Yeah. Mm. So it takes quite a bit of trial and error. Mm. So okay, I'm gonna name the 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 parkour guy, quote unquote, that we've mm-hmm. given this concept. They are Annie. The give me a number between one and one hundred and sixty-five. Five. Five. Thank you. They are Annie. The Bagnack. The, the what? Uh, uh, a bagnack. I mean, we can just name them Annie, cause, for sure. Yeah, let's just call them Annie, because uh, really, they're not going to be bladed, are they? Yeah, they're not. And also, a bagnack is a horrific weapon. Translating from Urdu as tiger claw, uh, it is a claw-like weapon from India designed to fit over the knuckles or be concealed under and against the palm. It consists of four to five curved blade uh, curved blades are fixed to a crossbar or glove and is designed to slash through skin and muscle. You know, God. that actually works out quite well for a um, parkour type hero could, who could use it to like latch onto things. That's a good point. <laughs> that yep. actually works quite okay, well. Okay, sure. Well, why <laughs> so don't that's... we just call them Bagnaku then instead of Annie? Just get rid yes. of that. Yeah, sure. Bagnak. Did you want to do one for the villain? Because I know that's who we're actually looking for. Yes. Um, sorry, did I pronounce it wrong? Was it Bagnak? Yes. Oh, sorry. B-A-G-H-N-A-H-K. 
but the the main villain is uh Cibrian mm-hmm. the give me a number between 165 uh, 165 uh so they are Cibrian the yet and what's that that sounds yet familiar. is a a Turkish slash Ottoman knife or short saber used from the mid 16th to late 19th centuries. It's basically it's a fucking ace looking sword. Okay. Oh, cool. And we better leave it there before you get me rifling through more sword names. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, Josh, did you have any specific ideas for the outfit? Um, <laughs> a dominant mask. At one point, I thought about having. Pascal wore a cape purely so when they turned into an axe, there was a little cape attached to the axe. <laughs> They're throwing themselves into being a superhero, so you gotta have that. I guess. I mean, I know that, the cape Jade, you, you are very much against capes. I'm not... No capes. Say it. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not against capes, unlike my, my idol would have me say. But um, I think what it could be is that as they throw themselves, their cape transforms into like the wrapping of the handle. Mm. Ooh, that's nice. I like. All right, them. cool. We're settled. Neat. <laughs> uh, cheers, cheers for listening. Uh, cheers for listening to us create a superhero that turns into an axe and us garble some names at the end of this episode. Uh, you can support us by listening to Josh right now and then oh. doing what Josh says. Not just listening to him. You have to act on it as well. Okay, so what you need to do is take your left or right hand. <laughs> you need to go onto <laughs> iTunes and then using the fingers on your hands, you need to type in Bitten by a Radioactive Podcast and then you need to type out a really good review for us. And then what we will do is using our voices and a random name generator, we will use the name that you leave us and we'll churn it out into a hero. Very well put. Thank really you. Really throw yourself into that task, okay? Yep. Mm. And in the meantime, as I did mention very briefly, we are on Twitter, at BBR underscore podcast. Uh, you should go on there, check us out. Uh, we will be posting uh, visual images of our recommendations on there on Wednesday, Newcomer Book Day. to audio images. <laughs> We're just going to be posting, like, for our recommendations, we'll be posting the audio waveforms of our recommendations <laughs> just purely like little tidbits speaking of images i will be drawing this hero and you'll be able to see them on fridays nice look forward to that because i it's the most exciting time of the week for me for real seeing seeing our heroes come to life by jade's hand is incredible jade you are a superstar oh i'm gonna throw myself into drawing it <laughs> so with that All that's left for me to say is you've been bitten by a radioactive podcast. I am Dean the Dagger McKnight. Nice. I'm Jade Cookery's a pretty cool sarsen. And I'm Josh the Bread Knife Randall. (laughs) Andy. Mm. And Sidetrack wasn't in this episode. Goodbye, everyone. I was so close to mentioning him, though. Just so you know. It's too late now. I'm saying bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. No dogs allowed.